This is sermon number eight from Christopher Love's 16 Sermons on Grace. The text of the sermon is 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. I proceed now to answer some cases of conscience which may be deduced from the doctrine I've laid down. First case, whether strong temptations may be consistent with strong grace. This is a needful and practical case because the people of God, when tempted by the devil, they do not only question the strength but the truth of their grace. Before I resolve this case, I shall premise these general positions. First, it is certain where there is truth of grace, there may be strong temptations from the devil. The devil is like a thief which robs not our outhouses, where there is nothing but dung and straw, but the cabinets that are in the closet. So this great thief of the world, he is not so eager to rob and spoil the outhouses that is wicked and godly men and ungodly men. But those who have the riches of grace in the cabinets of their hearts, these he labors to rob and spoil. Or as a pirate sets not upon an empty vessel, but upon a ship laden with rich merchandise. Those who are fraught with the rich gifts of grace, the devil by his temptations will labor to make prize of for himself. Second, let the temptations of the devil be never so strong, yet they shall be not above the strength of grace which believers have received from God God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able 1 Corinthians 10.13 he will proportion the burden to the back and the stroke to the strength of him who is to bear it if temptations increase our strength shall also increase whereby we may be able to grapple with them. And third, it is evident that the temptations of the devil are always ordinarily among most strong after God's people have discharged some extraordinary duties to God or have received most discoveries of grace from God. In both these cases, the devil's temptations are usually great. You find that immediately after the celebration of the Lord's Supper, the devil desired to winnow the disciples Luke 22.3 after they had performed that extraordinary service to God the devil was desirous presently to set upon them so you find that after Christ had in an extraordinary manner fasted 40 days and 40 nights he was immediately after tempted of the devil and so also after his baptism No sooner was he out of the water of baptism, but he was in the fire of temptation. The Israel of God can be no sooner out of Egypt, but this hellish Pharaoh pursues them. And Hezekiah had no sooner kept the solemn Passover, but Sennacherib comes up against him. All this is to show us that after we have put forth most grace in the duty then the devil will labor to play his after game with us if he miss 
of his foregame. If Satan cannot keep us from duty and from enlargement in duty, he will fly blow our duties by pride and so mar them. And then after we have received the most special manifestations for God's love and favor in Christ, then may we expect to be assaulted by the devil. And thus Paul, after he had those heavenly raptures and abundance of revelations, the devil set upon him with vile temptations. He had the messenger of Satan to buffet him, thorn in the flesh, which is not to be meant of any disease, but of some sharp temptations from the devil. And so you find immediately after that voice to Christ, this is my well-beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, Matthew 3.17, that then the tempter came to him. And hence you may gather from that connection between those two petitions in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses and lead us not into temptation. To note to us that no sooner can we get the evidence of our pardon, but we may expect to be tempted of the devil. For that men who have the greatest strength of grace are like to meet with the fiercest assaults and the strongest temptations from the devil. And this brings me to answer the case that strength of grace may be consistent with strong temptations. To clear and confirm this, there are these two particulars to be inquired into. First, when temptations may, when temptations may be said to be strong. And second, how and why such strong temptations may be consistent with strong grace. First question, when temptations may be said to be strong and answer then may temptations be said to be strong when the when the solicitations of the devil to sin are urgent with the soul when they are not weak and faint suggestions but violent assaults which will not be removed until assented to when the devil haunts a man so that he will not let him alone then may they be said to be strong Thus it is said Satan stood up against Israel. That is, he set himself to tempt David and provoked him. He would not let him alone, but haunted him with hellish importunity till he had numbered the people. 1 Chronicles 21. Second, when they are frequent and continued. Small temptations, often suggested, become strong. Small drops of water by frequent falling make hollow the hard stone, which a few great and forcible blows will not do. And so temptations, though but to small sins, if they be continued, may have greater entrance into the heart than a violent assault may. The third, when they are suited by the devil to a man's disposition or present condition, so was that temptation by which the devil set upon Christ after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Command, says he, that these stones be made bread. It was suited to his present condition, meat for his hunger. If you offer meat to a naked man, he values it not, or clothes to a hungry man, because it is not suited to their present exigence. 
But if the gift you offer be suited to the man's necessity, clothes to him that is naked and meat to him that is hungry, then it becomes acceptable. The devil does not cast temptations at random. He is more subtle than to row against wind and tide. He knows which way the stream of our affections and dispositions runs, and he suits his baits accordingly. Every man, says the apostle, is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. James 1.14 It is a metaphor taken from fishermen who have this skill that according to the nature of the fish, so will they suit their bait, whereby they lie in wait to deceive either the sight or the taste of the poor fish. The devil is the great fisher of souls and makes use of such temptations which are most likely to take. He observes that uh, to what sins a man's relations, calling, or opportunities lay him most open and obnoxious, and accordingly he lays his snare and spreads his net. Though it is true that every man hath a principle within him suiting to every sin, yet it is as true that every man is not equally active for or disposed unto every sin. The devil sees what sin is most predominant in man, and so he frameth a temptation suitable. He sets a wedge of gold before a covetous Achan, Cosby and Harlot before an adulterous Zimri, a fair preferment before an ambitious Absalom. He knows well that a fit object presented is a victory half obtained. In these three cases, temptations may be said to be strong. The second question, how doth it appear that temptations so urgent, so continued, and so suited may be consistent with strong grace? The answer by instances whereby it appears that the best of God's children have been most tempted. Job, a holy man, yet with what strong temptations was he assaulted? The devil impoverished him in his estate, and so would tempt him to distrust God's providence. Took away the lives of all his children to make him question providence. Tormented him with grievous diseases to make him clamor against providence. And above all, this tempted him to curse God and to die by the instigations of his wife. Job 2, verse 8. And yet, though Job was thus haunted by the devil, he was a believer, strong in grace, and the most eminent saint in that age, in that part of the world at that time. As God himself testifies of him that there was none like him upon the earth, a perfect and an upright man. He was not only for riches, the greatest of all the men of the East, but for holiness, greatest upon the earth. Yet thus was he afflicted and assaulted by the devil. Another instance there is of David, an eminent believer, and hath this commendation that he was a man after God's own heart. And and yet how furiously was he tempted by the devil. One while Satan moved him to number the people, another time to defile another man's wife, another time to counterfeit himself mad before Achish, king of Gath, another time to judge all his holy duties to be in vain, and at another time to question the faithfulness of God 
in his promise to make him king. He said in his haste that all men were liars. Even Samuel the prophet also. And thus Peter, an eminent apostle of Christ, after he had made such a glorious confession of his faith and had discovered more grace than in all his lifetime before, you find him suddenly after by an instigation from the devil beginning to rebuke Christ and counseling him to spare himself Matthew 22-23 and thus Paul that had such high and heavenly raptures such divine ecstasies yet had he the messenger of Satan to buffet him but above all instances you have Jesus Christ who though he had perfect grace and was full of grace and truth Yet this could not exempt him from the temptations of the devil. He was full of the Holy Ghost, yet he was forty days tempted of the devil. And that was strong temptations. If you consider their continuance, their urgency, one after another, and their suitability to that, his present condition. So that it is plainly manifest that strong temptations may be consistent with strength of grace by these instances given. Second, it appears also by reasons drawn from God for the career, for the clearer illustration of the glory of his own attributes and therefore the scripture is clear in this particularly to show how the temptation of God's people make his attributes to be more illustrious as first his faithfulness God who is faithful will not suffer you to be tempted about what you are able 1 Corinthians 10.13 and then his wisdom. The Lord knoweth how to, li- how to deliver the godly out of temptation. 2 Peter 2.9 He will by his wisdom find a way for their escape. And then also, hereby will his pity and compassion be made glorious. Therefore Christ became like unto us that he might be a merciful high priest, able to succor and pity those that are tempted. Hebrews 2.17 And then lastly, the glory of his power. In our weakness, God will manifest his power, for his strength is made perfect in weakness. Thus it pleases God to exercise his people with great afflictions and temptations for the setting out of his own glorious attributes and magnifying of his own name. Another reason may be drawn from God's people themselves. God in afflicting his children aims at their good thus when the devil tempted David to number the people and when he was sacrificing at the floor of Ornan the Jebusite there did God tell him that the temple should be built this was the issue of his temptation so when Job was so tempted and afflicted the issue of all was for his good Job's graces had never been so illustrious had not the devil's temptations been so furious This is one end of God's afflicting his people that their graces may become more orient. Another may be to check pride. There is no greater temptation in the world to pride than eminency and grace. Pride, it is that worst fruit which grows upon the best stock. It is not so much the ornaments of the body as the endowments of the mind which stirs up pride 
this was Paul's case after his abundance of revelations there was a a thorn in his flesh a messenger of Satan to buffet him lest he should be lifted up God will suffer those which have strong grace to be strongly tempted to check the pride of their hearts third the godly are more are able to grapple with strong temptations than weaker Christians are and so God suits the service and sufferings of his people to the proportion of the strength of grace another reason may be taken from the devil from the malice which he bears to all the people of God and especially to those who have most grace whom God loves most the devil hates most when the voice from heaven said to Christ thou art my well beloved son then came the devil to assault and to tempt him if you are the objects of God's dearest love you will be the objects of the devil's deepest rage though he cannot damn thy soul yet he will trouble thy conscience if he cannot break thy head he will bruise thy heel it also proceeds from the devil's knowledge as well as malice he knows if he can but get those which are strong in grace to sin he shall do the more mischief first it will open the mouths of wicked men to blaspheme God and religion as in the case of David by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme 2 Samuel 12:14. how were the mouths of God's enemies opened to blaspheme his name it will embolden the weak to sin with more freedom when they shall see those which are eminent to fall and thus the example of uh, Peter made the Gentiles to Judaize when the strong shall abuse his liberty he becomes a stumbling block to those that are weak when Phagellus and Hermogenes turned away from the faith how did all Asia turn aside also men of eminent gifts when they shall apostatize how do they draw others in abundance three will provoke God to inflict heavy judgments on the places where you dwell thus the devil knew that if he could get David to number the people it would procure a judgment upon them therefore it is not said he stood up against David but against Israel and provoked him to number the people he well knew if he could prevail with David all Israel should suffer for it but thus we see that where there is strength of grace there may be and are strong temptations but here may an objection be raised from that of John where it is said he that is born of God sinneth not and keepeth himself that the wicked one toucheth him not and that they which are strong have overcome the wicked one 1 John 5.18 and if this be so how can that be a truth that strong temptations from the devil may be consistent with strong grace in the heart the answer when it is said the wicked one touches him not that is not to be taken absolutely as, as if the devil did not tempt a man at all therefore there must be a restriction of the clause he touches him not that is with a deadly touch and so Cajetan says this phrase excludes not the kinds of temptations but 
that we are not hurt or eternally destroyed by them. But I can see rather that these words have a peculiar reference to the 16th verse where there is mention made of a sin unto death. The devil shall not prevail or touch a man so as to commit that sin which is unto death. Though he may tempt and will be continually assaulting a man, yet he shall never prevail against him so as to draw him to the committing of that sin. The first use. From hence we may learn the indulgence of God to weak Christians. Whilst their graces are weak, their temptations shall not be strong. God will not put weak Christians upon such strong trials as those who have obtained greater measures of grace. Not every man in David's army was put to break through the army of the Philistines to fetch of the waters of the well of Bethlehem, but David's three worthies. God will not put young converts to break through an host of temptations until they have obtained experience and strength of grace to grapple with them. And second, hence also learn that men of the strongest and most eminent gifts and graces ought not to presume upon their own strength. Consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Galatians 6.1 Thou, which art most spiritual, take heed, lest thou be foiled. Some men's pride may make them think they are above ordinances. Yet their own experience may satisfy them that they are not above temptations and certainly they which are not above temptations will still stand in need of ordinances now no man in the world either is or shall be above temptation if any surely Adam would yet he in paradise the best of places and in innocency the best of states was not exempted from the temptations of the devil and thereby fell Therefore, let no man presume upon his own strength. Three, remember this for thy comfort, that though the devil tempt thee with strong temptations, yet he shall never have his will against thee. It is true, a goodly man may fall into that particular act unto which the devil tempts him. Yet as to the devil's general aim, the damning of thy soul, he shall never have his will is a notable expression that of our Savior's to Peter says he Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat Luke 22.32 Satan hath desired to have thee that that was the devil's general aim though he may have his will as to a particular act that thou mayest yield to this temptation yet he shall never carry thee with himself unto hell Remember to your great comfort you who are the people of God and harassed with the devil's temptations. Thou complainest that they are great for kind, long for continuance, and the more dangerous because suited to thy present condition. Remember that thus the devil dealt with Jesus Christ. His temptations were suited, continued, and for kind's gross being to distrust providence to self-murder and to blasphemy and why was all this but for thy comfort he suffered being tempted that he might be able to pity 
compassionate and succor thee, being in the same condition. Hebrews 2.18 This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. You are welcome to make copies and give them to those in need. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. It is likely that the sermon or book that you just listened to is also available on cassette or video, or as a printed book or booklet. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.